Hi, I'm Heather, and I teach women all about finding joy in the life you live, experiencing the Holy Spirit's powerful transformation in your marriage, and gaining the support of sisters in Christ, women just like you, to encourage you along the way. I made the Marriage Grace with Heather podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies that are fully rooted in scripture, psychology, stories, and inspiration to help you and your marriage blossom. If you're a woman of Christ seeking a happy, loving, sacred marriage, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hi there. Heather here. Welcome to Marriage Grace with Heather podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today because I'm sharing two secrets of how to find happiness even when your marriage feels hopeless. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you feel this way about your marriage. I know I felt hopeless in my own marriage when boundaries were being broken over and over again, despite my best effort to communicate how those broken boundaries made me feel and requesting a change. My husband was boundary resistant and his response to me took all different forms like denying he crossed a boundary, rationalizing behavior, blaming me, and most often, empty apologies. So first, I'm here to tell you that even when your marriage feels hopeless, the Holy Spirit is capable of miracles and does transform. I've experienced it in my own marriage, so when feeling hopeless in yours, know that there is hope. Next, and what this episode is all about, is finding happiness even when your marriage feels hopeless. I know my marriage felt that way for quite some time before a transformation occurred, and it's important that during this time we still experience joy and happiness. After all, life is about the journey, so let's enjoy it. We are responsible for our own happiness. I'm going to say it again because it's a tough one to swallow. You are responsible for your own happiness. Your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, your colleagues are not responsible. You are. A key piece we need to improve in our own lives, as challenging as it may be, is to depend less on your spouse's reactions and more on your own values to make you happy. I love the work of Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend, two renowned psychologists, and what they say on this particular topic is that happiness is a result. It is sometimes the result of having good things happen, but usually it is the result of our being in a good place inside ourselves and our having done the character work we need to do so that we are content and joyful in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. So your worth and value are not what you do, It's who you are in Christ. When somebody asks you to describe yourself, what do you say? Do you immediately jump to answering this question by saying what you do? For example, that you're a mom of two or you work in XYZ industry. If you answer this question by sharing what you do, you need a mission statement. Knowing who you are provides you a foundation for how you see yourself. It prevents you from believing what other people tell you about who you are. It's really easy to absorb compliments you receive from people. So how great does it feel when someone says, you're amazing? But what about the times when someone tells you that you aren't worthy or that you don't have value? To know yourself is to not let the praise go to your head 
or conversely, internalize and believe the shaming. Knowing yourself is knowing who you are at the core. And writing a mission statement is reminding yourself of this even when society tells you otherwise. You don't have to share your mission statement with anyone but yourself unless you want to. A terrific author, Lovey Jones, who I love reading her materials, put together an excellent framework for questions to help us easily write our own mission statements. The questions we need to answer for ourselves to really know ourselves at the core include, who are you proud to be related to? Even on your worst day, what makes you amazing? Who or what do you hold dear? What do you cherish? What are your core values and what do those values mean? What brings you joy? What is worth fighting for? What do you want people to say at your funeral? And I know that last one could be a little bit morbid, but we should be thinking about what we want for our future as part of our mission statement. So don't worry if you are not able to write down all those questions now. I've included them on marriagegrace.com for you to reference as you get to writing your own mission statement. Visit marriagegrace.com slash episode two. That's marriagegrace.com slash episode two. And I'll share my mission statement as an example for you. I'm Heather Green. I'm the daughter of Elizabeth and James, the wife of John. Even on my worst day, I can pick up the Bible and be grateful for the blessings God has given me and be proud of the woman I've become. My family, both blood and chosen, are who I hold dear. What I cherish is my life, lived happily, healthily, and as my best self, serving God's will for me. My core values are honesty, generosity, and love. This means I tell the truth, I'm honest with myself and others, I'm generous with my resources, time, money, knowledge, energy, and I look for the good in others to serve Jesus Christ and uphold my commitment to Christ that his love is beyond all else. It brings me joy when I'm able to make a positive impact on someone else's life for the better. What I fight for is the power of the Holy Spirit and sharing the good news of the joy that it brings to people's lives. When I am no longer here, I want people to say, I'm grateful for the love that she showed me. She was a blessing in my life. So there, now that you've heard that example of my mission statement, I really want you to begin answering these questions for yourself and take action on your own mission statement. Not just thinking about the questions, but actually writing yours down on paper. I want you to put this mission statement in a place where you can easily see it and reference it. This is your reminder to yourself of who you really are and a vision of how you want your future to look. This will ground you in those moments when you feel down, unworthy, or undervalued. Knowing who you are in Christ gives you strength, and we need that strength in order to depend less on our spouse's reactions or anyone else's reactions and more on your own values to make you happy. Remember, you are responsible for your own happiness. Are you with me? Good. Next, I want to get into the freedom of personal responsibility. God has given each of us the freedom of personal responsibility. So what percentage of personal responsibility do you think you have in your own happiness? 
50-50 is the most common answer to this question, citing internal response and external circumstances out of our control. But it's not the correct answer. And I think you know this answer considering what we just talked about. But here it is. The answer is 100%. You have to be willing to give your all with no expectation of anything in return. The same is true for our relationship with ourselves and the happiness within ourselves. Only when we take 100% responsibility for our own happiness will we experience happiness. Otherwise, your happiness is left to chance and, well, we know where that can lead as Satan is quick to find these open doors to jump in with his lies and deceit that can really lead us down a path of unhappiness. You hold this power and God has given you this freedom to be personally responsible for your own happiness. You are responsible for what you think, how you feel, the choices you make, and how you respond to others. Taking full ownership of yourself is your open door to happiness. This is truly an empowering mindset that I want you to take full ownership of. This ownership is what unlocks your happiness and can transform your life. So are you ready to take the leap toward becoming personally responsible for your own happiness? Great, I'm with you too. And I can tell you that doing the hard work within yourself is totally worth it. Now that you have the right mindset and are operating in the truth that you are responsible for your happiness and you have your mission statement, the next step is to be intentional about focusing on what you are grateful for. Throughout the book, Paul reflects on what brings him joy as an example to us of what right mind thinking is and what we all have to be grateful for in our own lives. So Paul is in prison, yet let's hear what he says about his situation. He says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So, does Paul have a positive or negative mindset about his circumstance? He very clearly shows us his positive mindset and focuses on what he is grateful for, which in this case is being grateful for having spread God's word and given confidence to those with voices to use them to also spread God's word. What a wonderful perspective and mindset. I certainly don't know that I would be able to take on that positive mindset if I were in his circumstance, but luckily God does not give us more than we can bear. And Paul's example gives us great encouragement that we can also take a positive mindset, especially in much less dire circumstances. Paul also shows us by example that he is clearly very grateful for Jesus Christ. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he also says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters. So if there isn't a single thing you can think of that you are grateful for in your life, let's start here. Christ's love is available to us all. 
and it's truly all we really need for happiness in life. And all it takes is our faith to receive God's joy. How wonderful is that? Surely this is one of the things on the top of my list of what I'm grateful for. And hope that Jesus is on the top of your list for what you're thankful for too. Recently at my office, we welcomed a psychologist to provide resiliency and back-to-office training as a result of the difficulties brought on by the pandemic and the mental health challenges that many are facing today. He was full of tactical methods anyone can take to reduce stress and live happier lives. One tactic really stuck with me. He said that the number one way to treat depression effectively is to write down three things you are grateful for each day. Time and time again, his clients that adhered to this practice transformed their thinking from a negative mindset to a positive mindset and reduced their stress and began living much happier lives. Can you believe something so simple can be so powerful? It takes no more than five minutes to sit down, reflect on your day, and journal three things you are grateful for that day. So simple. And I can attest that this really works. I'm personally a huge fan of journaling and write my thoughts to get more clarity and direction. It's also the time I feel God speaks to me most. I have incorporated this type of reflection and focus of what I'm grateful for in my usual journaling, and it's really a mood lifter. Now we know that the path to happiness is to take personal responsibility for our happiness, know who we are and what we value, and be intentional by focusing on what you are grateful for. And we've established that simply writing down three things that you are grateful for each day will bring you intentional focus needed to lead you to happiness. To really get the impact of this intentionality and feel that positive mindset shift, we need to be consistent for at least a month and be intentional about keeping this great new long-term habit for long-term happiness. So the question is, how do we incorporate this into your life and really make it a habit? So I'll share a few personal tips that I use when I start a new routine that I want to build into a habit. First, I write out the goal that I'm trying to achieve with my new habit. This may sound like overkill to you, but stay with me here. Really, the only reason we stick with building a habit is try to achieve something. So you need to be really clear on what you're actually trying to achieve. Write it down to cement it in and refer back to it if you find your new healthy habit is waning. Your goal for this habit might look something like, I'm replaying my marriage hurts over and over again in my head and thinking about my fears of marriage failure or what divorce might mean for me. It's causing me extreme stress, anxiety, and overall negative feelings about my whole life. My goal is to have a happier mindset to begin enjoying my life and reducing the stress and anxiety my marriage problems are weighing on me. I want to take control of my happiness and begin living my life with joy. So once you've written your goal out in a way that's meaningful and compelling to you, the next step is determine when you will schedule this five-minute routine into your day. I personally love to reflect on what I'm grateful for before going to bed and sleeping on a positive, thankful thoughts for my day. It makes me feel well-rested when I wake up in the morning and have a really grateful heart. But by all means, think about timing that works for your day and your routine. 
Next, determine a place where you'll write your list. This should be consistent so that you know when you're in this place at this time that your mind begins the habit of automatically thinking about what you are grateful for. Again, for me, this is in bed as it's the last thing I do before I go to sleep. It's also a good idea to have a visual reminder for your habit. I do this by keeping my journal on my nightstand next to my bed. So even if I forget that I plan to do that, I see it sitting there as I'm getting ready to wind down for the day. Visual reminders can be incredibly helpful for for building new habits. And there you have it, my friends. Two simple keys to improving your happiness despite your circumstances. First, take responsibility for your own happiness. And second, be intentional about focusing on what you are grateful for. As painful as life challenges are to go through, I'm grateful for the growth that makes me a better person as a result of them. The world and everyone needs continual growth. I need continual growth. You need continual growth. That's just how we move forward in life. And typically growth occurs when we overcome big challenges. So be grateful for your many blessings and even thank God for this challenge that you know he will be using for good. If you weren't able to take notes on crafting your mission statement, no problem. Download a cheat sheet at marriagegrace.com slash episode two. All right, my friends, I can't wait to see you next week. Episode three, where I expand on this topic to cover one more thing you can do to find happiness, even when your marriage feels hopeless. Same time, same place. Can't wait. See you there. Looking to dig in deeper to have a happy, loving, sacred marriage? Visit marriagegrace.com for more resources and tune in every Thursday for new, simple, actionable strategies to help you and your marriage blossom. Thanks for joining me on Marriage Grace with Heather. See you next time and God bless.